opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives. I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. Who are the hard left, Chris? Well, we know who the hard left are in the you know, ascendancy I, I, within, the, within the Labour like Party who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing. The hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation, that's a hard left wing position. Hard sort of left, the hard 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 left, hard left, hard left, the hard left, the hard left, 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 the 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 hard left, hard left, but finally, my guys got out on bail, and the bosses wanted me to send my brother Dominic out to Vegas. Always the dollars. Always the fucking dollars. I mean, it was still way too hot for me to even go near Vegas. So I set up a meeting with the guys way out in the sticks. I didn't want my brother to get fucked around. I mean, what's right is right. They don't give a fuck about it. Scorsese's film that he followed The Last Temptation of Christ up with was a short film that he contributed to an anthology called, uh, wait for it, New York Stories. So naturally, the, the people who put this film together were like, well, right, well, we need to get Scorsese along for this. So he, um, he directed one, which is very good, and I'll talk about it in a minute. Francis Ford Coppola directed one, which is appalling and unwatchable. Just oh, really? Oh, no. Written by his daughter, Sophia Coppola, who is now a, a yeah. quite respected director in her own right. Yeah. But that time was just a spoiled little rich girl. <laughs> and it, incidentally, the story is about a spoiled little rich spoiled girl. Little rich girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the most kind of, like, tedious uh, kind of corny load of shit i've ever seen uh, it's unwatchable woody allen contributed a film to it as well which is kind of average it's called oedipus rex rex spelled as in a rex is i don't know i think there's like some good cameo in the woody allen one yeah larry david appears in it as a theater manager that's it but it's not it's not very funny it's like a clever concept involving like a guy's mother appearing like as a giant over new york but it's it's not very good however scorsese's contribution to new york stories which is based on a dostoevsky short novel called the gambler oh, I is know that. Yeah. about lionel doby an abstract artist who's played by nick nolte in a magnificent performance just quite like you know he's a kind of very like wounded bear kind of guy that sort of slightly like crushed masculinity is what nolte does very well as well as growling <laughs> and, and basically there's just these incredible vibrant scenes of him painting set to a live version of bob dylan's like a rolling stone from his before the flood album with the with the band in fact in the 1970s and on before the flood dylan's voice because dylan has a different voice depending on what album you're listening to is very kind of <laughs> very deep and shouty it's 
like, uh, once upon a time, you dressed so fine, threw above the time in your prime, didn't you? So it's, <laughs> it's a whole, uh, it's a whole, uh, it, it's a very like forceful performance of like a Rolling Stone with weird corny sounding synthesizers from Garth Hudson with his usual kind of virtuosic standard of playing. So, so I, I would really recommend Life Lessons. It's about a guy who is brilliant with his art but cannot keep his life together. Admittedly a well-trodden theme, but it really works very well in this kind of... Format? Sh- yeah, in this short film format. Okay, sounds interesting, yeah. It's very good. I really wanted to take a bite out of a sandwich there, so I was hoping one of you guys. Would... <laughs> <laughs> we will give you notes. So it's worth watching just for the year. <laughs> you, ah, all right. Fuck's sake. Well, it looks After like you... the next film, chronologically, in the feature film, anyway, is Goodfellas. Yes, yes. His big crime mafia epic uh, sort, of... sort of the film of our generation even though it wasn't the first one I saw. yeah it's sort of the first that a lot of my generation would have probably seen of mine Scorsese's iconic because of its numerous scenes like from Frank Vincent being horribly murdered <laughs> we actually haven't actually mentioned that have we how Frank Vincent like seemingly gets the shit beaten out of him by Joe Pesci in a few of uh, <laughs> uh, Scorsese's films it first happens in Raging Bull then Goodfellas then Vincent gets his revenge in <laughs> Casino, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> in a cornfield with a baseball bat fucking beat oh, the sharp. Casino is Scorsese's film from 1995 that reunited him with De Niro yeah. and with Pesci and also with the writer of Goodfellas, Nicholas uh, Pileggi. Nicholas, yeah. Sorry, co-writer. Scorsese co-wrote films he's interesting actually as as a scorsese does right like he's not one of those directors who just can't do it but he he doesn't always like he'll write if he's got the vision for the project often with a collaborator he co-wrote silence in fact it's his first film in quite a few years that he's had a script credit on but yeah goodfellas i mean i've heard that films are essentially put together in the editing suite like, that's when the structure really begins to take hold. But, I mean, these films are just, especially Goodfellas, just crammed with hilarious, shocking, memorable moments, many of which are yeah, yeah. truly yeah. monumental. So you go for, you, for one minute, you're laughing at the, the banter between Pesci and Leota and De Niro, and then suddenly, like, horrible acts of violence are on screen, yeah. and you just got kind of stunned into, like, oh, God, it's, again, Scorsese has a way of really filming and ed- editing his scenes of violence that really kind of have that impact and yeah it's like what was that you said a second you said something about kind of people arguing that it's one of those films that came together in the editing suite like well scorsese had a very strong professional and personal relationship with his editor Thelma shoemaker in fact he still has she edited silence and still works on his films but in fact the vast majority of her filmography is scorsese films uh, she yeah. kind of has an intuitive understanding of how to structure one of his stories and yeah. she just basically edited and still edits his films in 
Not always, because obviously um, there's a nuance, there's a kind of variety to film machine maker's technique, but in a kind of hyperkinetic, inventive style yeah. that keeps you engaged constantly in yeah. like quite this, a conspicuous yeah. fashion. Like Goodfellas, the camera work is very, very showy. Yeah. Exactly. The sequence when you've got Henry Hill preparing the the spaghetti while also evading FBI surveillance. Yeah. His frantic camera movements are kind of which which runs through all his like works in many ways. Yeah. That scene is shot so as to kind of simulate the the kind of frenetic energy of uh, a a real coke binge. Yeah. Not that I have any (laughs) first hand None of us do. None of us do. None of us into that kind of thing. Never. Um, We're actually not. I mean, I'm. I'm not. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not yeah. massive. No, well, yeah. I'm pretty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, yes, yeah, so a great performance by Ray Liotta. Probably one of my favourites. Yeah, Very like this was. He hasn't. It's a shame as well because I don't think he's really kind of appeared in. It, again, it's the film that he's usually recognised and remembered for. But it's a shame because like he's a good actor. Like I remember seeing him in The Place Beyond the Pines where he plays this really fucking mm. nasty piece of work, corrupt police lieutenant in the film that's in the second. Because like, that film's sort of like it's like an arc of the kind of like it's, like, it's sort of like a short like kind of it, it's it's set over like twenty yeah, years like and he kind of like comes into it. it. Yeah, and he plays this fucking corrupt piece of shit cop in it and he's like kind of he's not like it for too long but he you know really makes his presence felt in the short time he's on screen and it's a shame because yeah he isn't really given much kind of you know juicy work like he had with goodfellas and stuff like you know it's it's there it's on film of how well, good he is it's just a shame that he isn't really oh yeah oh yeah well <laughs> there's a long list of bad films he's been in like well let me just have a quick look here there's some of his uh i think after goodfellas he sort of had like a i'm looking at his films after goodfellas and stuff and it's not really that kind of you know like he reunited with de niro in a film called copland in 1997 Mm. which also features um sylvester stallone is directed by james mangold i've never seen have you seen that jack what do you think of it i've seen copland copland also known as london young lady Copland is actually quite good. It's basically a, a proper drama starring Sylvester Stallone, where Sly Stallone oh. is this kind of big lug who like fucked fucked himself up somehow, like saving this woman's life years ago. And so the only place that will let him be a cop is in this town where everyone's a cop and there's like no crime. <laughs> um, but it turns out that he's crime in that town. Ooh, and, like, you mean police... cops can do bad things? Yep. <laughs> wow. <turns> out... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turns out that cops are, you know, not entirely ethical in cops. <laughs> Who'd have thought if you give cops yeah. their own <laughs> land, they'll just be like, you know, running wild. Nobody could have seen that coming. <laughs> just happens to be only cops. <laughs> it, no, not, not literally only cops, okay. but mostly cops. Like, it's a suburb where cops tend to move to. It's like a community of cops there. Okay, because <laughs> that was just, it's a really trippy premise. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Look I, I, look, I didn't write Copland, okay? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I may have invented Cop or Comrade, but that's a different thing. <laughs> you don't get sore credit there. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I was in the room. <laughs> I, I, I will not do an egotistical thing of claiming sole credit 
for the game that I came up with on my own. Anyway. <laughs> 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 okay, let's, fuck, right, let, uh, let's talk some more about Martin Scorsese because we've got a yeah. fuckload of stuff on here and we should probably um, drive this to a conclusion before we maybe talk about a bit more like political stuff. Yeah, like so after Goodfellas, he remade Cape Fear with, again, Robert De Niro, but this time with also Nick Nolte and Jessica Lange. Yeah, um, his second collaboration in a couple of years with Nick Nolte. Not as impressive a performance uh, from Nolte as in Life Lessons in New York Stories, but a solid performance nonetheless. Here, Nick Nolte, he sort of plays, I mean, what certain figures on the modern countercultural scene might describe as a better cuck. Beater. A beater cuck. (laughs) A better cuck than you or I. Basically, him and his family, uh, including their teenage daughter, just get fucking terrorized by Robert De Niro, who's like grotesquely buff, like just like horrible greasy hair and like big muscles and like just looking absolutely uh, terrifying. <laughs> it's a decent thriller. Have I ever seen it? I haven't oh. seen though. No. I haven't seen uh, Cape Fear. No, no. That, that, yeah, that and The Age of Innocence. Yeah, I have not I seen. I haven't actually seen The Age of Innocence either. Even though it's said to be both one of his best and least characteristic films, it's his only U-rated film. So that's like right. Oh, right. It's, it's got the same rating as like a fucking Bob the Builder DVD. Yeah. <laughs> Even though he described it as his most violent film in terms of uh, emotional violence, yeah. but I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good line, Marty. But like your your next film literally involves his head being stuck in a vice. <laughs> So yeah, I'm sure it's yeah. absolute fire if Daniel Day-Lewis is in it. Mm. Casino came along, reunited him with De Niro, Pesci, and Pledgy. And it's a three-hour crime epic about yeah, a Jewish gangster this time, not an Italian-American one, um, played by Robert De Niro, called Sam Rothstein, also known as yeah, that's Ace. It. Which I believe another premiere figure of the Jewish underworld uses as a pseudonym. Uh, Facebook will find out. (laughs) So De Niro is Sam Ace Rothstein and Joe Pesci is Nicholas Nicky Santoro, the Italian-American hard hitter who the mob send down to keep him in line. Although, turns out he's kind of a wrong guy to keep a much more professional guy in line. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Off the rails uh, until he eventually gets whacked in the most kind of inventive scene where he's talking to the camera, just doing one of his classic voiceovers, because like Goodfellas, there's a lot of voiceover in Casino. And Joe Pesci's just going, see, things were going south, so me and my fucking brother yes, get yes. out of there. And then he's in the middle of his voiceover. <laughs> right in the middle of it. Oh. And on screen, his character gets hit with a baseball bat, and he just stops. Yeah, by Frank Vinnie. Yeah, stops the voiceover mid-sentence, the moment he gets hit with a baseball bat. And, yeah, him and, him and his brother, 
Yeah, they just like they just like they get buried in a shallow grave. Get, yeah, they... get the shit bat out of them and buried in the this middle of this cornfield by Frank Vincent and his and his troop. Yeah, Frank... <laughs> James Woods is in it as well. Is is this really kind of like seedy hustler? He's <laughs> yeah. I thought when I, I remember when I first watched it, I was I I thought there would have been a bit more James Woods in the film. Mm. But he, yeah, he plays this sort of protege of Sharon Stone's character, yeah. who's kind of like on the outskirts, kind of you know, called Left kind of Diamond. around. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely a lot of respect to Frank Vincent, though, who's in a lot of these films and is a very good character actor, who I'd say is probably his most prominent role was in The Sopranos, which Scorsese cameoed in one episode. There's that classic line from Chris Moltisanti where he sees Martin Scorsese goes, Marty, Kundun, I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, (laughs) referring to the Dalai Lama. But no, Frank Vincent plays Phil Leotardo in The Sopranos, who's a mob boss. Well, he becomes the boss of the New York mob after Johnny Sack dies, and he basically launches a full-scale war against the New Jersey mob, who are obviously the main characters in The Soprano. So, yeah, he's a great actor, uh, one of the kind of, like Victor Argo, one of the Scorsese staples who it's always great to see. Always. Yeah. And as I said before, you finally get to see him get his little revenge against Pesci. (laughs) (laughs) With a a baseball bat. Yeah. Don Rickles is in there as well as Sam Rothstein's casino management uh, handyman. Again, it's three hours long. But the thing is, with a lot of Scorsese, even though, you know, like, again, with, like, Wolf of Wall Street, Goodfellas, Casino, all for, like, three hours long going into that region, they don't feel like that. They're they're, they're pretty well-paced and stuff. Very well-written. Yeah. You're never bored. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I might say, I haven't watched it in quite a while since it came out. No, I've watched it a couple of times since it came out, but I, I haven't watched it in quite a while. I do think The Wolf of Wall Street could maybe be trimmed a little bit. That one was maybe too excessive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It could have worked better as a kind of punchier comedy. Yeah, to, yeah. I guess so towards the end but in particular when it's kind of just gets a bit overkill. And because you're spending that much time with a character like Jordan Belfort, oh, it kind of get yeah. a bit... Uh, yeah, who we'll discuss, I'm sure, in yeah, um, more detail. Well, <laughs> weird thing. It's, it's funny that he, he's a lot more loathsome than any of the gangsters in, in yeah. the Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't kill anyone, but he's, yeah, he's like the most fucking loathsome of the, uh, Scorsese's characters, <laughs> funnily enough. He yeah, probably so fucks she... more people's lives, even if he doesn't Yeah. Kill yeah. <laughs> but actually, the thing with The Wolf of Wall Street was, I remember when I first watched it, I found it finding it just extraordinarily funny. I downloaded that screener that leaked. I think you might have watched it oh, before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you really liked it. Then I watched the screener. Then I think was it you, me, and Martin? Yeah, yeah. Who went to see it at the cinema? But um, yes, yes, I think so. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, that might have been Django Unchained, or it might have been both. I don't know. But anyway, we saw Django. Yeah. But um, no, I definitely saw it at the cinema. And and I again, I thought it was great. It was only when I started to hear people talk about this film that I began to have doubts about it. I began to think that the casting of Leonardo DiCaprio, who's obviously another Scorsese staple, but I began to feel that that was a bad choice because he's essentially too likable. He's quite a magnetic kind of character. He's quite charming. So you had people who 
just kind of saw him as another glamorous Leonardo DiCaprio character who they should root for. Like, I remember somebody but I went do you, do, do you not think that Jordan Belfort must have been at least somewhat charming in person in order to, you know, get what he got, really? Yeah, maybe. I, yeah, I don't know. I, like, those, those kind of wankers do tend to be quite charming. Either. Probably. It was just, um, you know, so somebody said, oh, you know, it, I, I can't believe, like, Leo didn't get to keep all the money he worked so hard for at the what? end yeah, at the that? end of the film and it's like well n- no he should have been punished far far harder than yes. he was. Um, mm, yeah that, that's the extent of the <laughs> well, you, you know, know, you know it, it shows the misinterpret anything right? yeah it shows the limitations of the law when it comes to financial crimes that he got off as lightly as he did and i saw other people i think not seeing the film as as cautionary as i think it was intended to be people saw it almost as a kind of celebration of glitz and glamour of affluence and I think some people, and I, I'm talking about guys here, really, didn't you know, sort of turn a blind eye to the fact that there are some quite leery and sexist films in it. And it's true that that was innate to the world of high finance. Uh, yeah, apparently the opening screening on Wall Street was really popular with all of those people. And they, yeah. were, cheer- they were cheering Jordan Belfort along. Yeah, you go. Really? Yeah. Oh, and, and, and I'm saying, no. I, I do understand. literally, by the way. Way, Tom, literally cheering. <laughs> yeah, I do. Wow. I do. <laughs> Imagine if Marty was in there, the room like, no, no. <laughs> You're not, this isn't the reaction I wanted. No. Yeah. The thing is, I do understand that they have, and especially did back then, a kind of testosterone fueled male dominated working environment. Oh, yeah. And let's and, not kill ourselves. And, and, and a Lyrian se- yeah, sexist culture. But I don't think that Scorsese's film did enough to critique that rather than just reflect it. I, yeah, I see where you're coming from, yeah. but I honestly, I don't know what he could have done more. He has the fucking main character throwing midgets at a dartboard. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this is not meant to be a likable man. That's what I'm saying. I literally think it's just that people will like Leonardo DiCaprio in whatever role he plays. I recommend some people who probably came out of Django Unchained like, oh, such a shame that the, the, the German guy shot that nice yeah. DiCaprio character. With all his I mean, scientific theories. I, I love DiCaprio in Django, and I loved him here. And uh, I, I see the point, but I, I don't know. I felt like he should have been charming. And the fact that people misinterpret it, you know, people misinterpret everything. I don't and, know. It might just be me being, like, kind of scolding yeah. political correctness gone mad. You're definitely, you're definitely it, not wrong. It, it, You've got a point. It certainly treads the line where it gets a bit close to glorification. Like, I got a sense a bit of a glorification of that whole scene at times, yeah, I, but I, I wouldn't say it's, it's too, too hammered home that, but you know. It doesn't endorse what they're doing. It has a detached and cynical analysis, yeah. but yeah. I think kind of that's not enough to just be like, ha, isn't it crazy how, like, in America, the rich get away with crimes? Puh, that's mad. But, you know, just the way uh, it is. I kind of like that it's not too polemical, though. I, I feel like the point is there, and it does criticise the, the whole, how lenient they were with him. It's got some quite kind but of, it's like, not heavy-handed, I don't think. It's got some quite snappy yeah, sort I can of see explanations that, yeah. of how they committed the financial crimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sort of like the big shorts, in way. Yeah. All right, that's probably enough on The Wolf of Wall Street. Unless you skipped a bunch of films to get to, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. But I thought we should just <laughs> let the conversation flow naturally. Yeah. In fact, we can't do that now because I need to piss again. So, one second. 
Woo! I think I might do the same. Good call. <laughs> yes. Oh, but this will bring us nicely on to. I haven't seen Kundun, but I have seen Bringing Out the Dead. Yes. Have, have you Kundun. seen uh, Kundun? Liked it. I have not seen, <laughs> seen Kundun, um, but I have seen Bringing Out the Dead. Yes, Fantastic the only collaboration between. Yep. Yes, that's what I was going to say. The only so. collaboration between Nick Cage and Marty Scorsese aye, aye. about and, paramedics um, in New York. I was going to say that, according to Wikipedia at least, this is probably one of my number one arguments for the flaws of capitalism and the free market because it fucking lost all of the money in the world. People, it's an amazing film. How did. Oh. How could people not want to watch Nicolas Cage as an ambulance driver go sl- go get slowly insane? Exactly, yeah. And it's, it's, it's yeah, because, like, yeah, Ving Rhames, Patricia Arquette, Tom Sizemore's in it as well. It's, yeah, it's, like, um... Crazy drug-addled fuck, isn't he? Like, yeah. <laughs> just, like, he fucked his career up with crack or something. Like, he's in a few films back in the day and he hasn't been in shit for years. <laughs> he did the screenplay, didn't he, Paul Schrader? Yeah. Was it, is this the last time they he wrote a script for Scorsese? It was, yeah. It was the last time they collaborated. Um, Marty, Kundun, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in 2002, he made his first collaboration with Leonardo DiCaprio, Gangs of New York, which I'd say, actually, although he would go on to give very good performances in Scorsese's next few films, DiCaprio is kind of the weakest link in there. He doesn't seem right and Cameron Diaz who I admittedly don't often like I don't think she's very good in it either they don't seem to fit the period milieu their manner seems very modern day Daniel Day-Lewis is definitely the character that kind of carries it along it's not it's not one of my favorite Marty films at all really Um, it's good enough but it's yeah it's it's a shame as well because it's an interesting period that I I would have liked to have seen Marty touch on but it had like Marty isn't involved with any of the screenwriting on it it's overseen by three different screenwriters so it yeah you can see why it's not up there with his best work at all yeah it has got a strong supporting cast though including Liam Neeson Neeson, Jim Broadbent, Jim Broadbent, John C. Riley, that Blairite slug Eddie Marson, <laughs> and Scorsese himself as wealthy homeowner. Ah, oh, John Sessions is in it as well. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I didn't. Re- God, <laughs> small role, but yeah. And then he reunited with DiCaprio the following year for The Aviator, which is yes. very, very long. But also yeah. quite good. It's a biopic of yeah, Howard yeah. Hughes, the tycoon, filmmaker, aviator. <laughs> yeah, it's it's his fascination with those kind of obsessive, compulsive, really kind of outlandish figures. I think it's definitely like DiCaprio. His performance is an improvement on The Gangs of New York. And how, yeah, it, it is. A, it is a remarkably long film as well. It's like over hundred and it's all well over like three and a half hours or so. Is it? It's like is it, is it over very, three hours? I, I mean, I let me let me let me just hundred hundred seventy minutes. Yeah, so yeah, that'll be like probably not as long. Well, yeah, so it's probably yeah, just just under three hours. I probably hundred seventy. I thought Casino was around three hours, but I'm, well, I might. Be I don't wrong. know. I'm sure I remember hearing something about the. It's like two hours fifty. Yeah, Last Temptation of Christ and New York, New York are pushing three hours. I think. But yeah, he might not have actually got up to that point until Wolf of Wall Street. But then, after doing The Aviator, 
he again reunited with Leonardo DiCaprio for one of my favourite Scorsese films, a kind of perfectly entertaining genre film called The Departed. And so this is a remake, isn't it? So it is a remake. Yeah, of the Infernal Affairs. Yeah, and it's basically a kind of tough crime drama set not in New York, but in Boston. And <laughs> by transplanting the action to Boston, Scorsese kind of gets a new texture to his crime story and as i was saying i think this film is fantastically entertaining it's just it's not doing anything deep but it is just a kind of yeah, it's a nice fun slog isn't it yeah yeah some good heavyweights in there kind of going off like against each yeah. other you got jack nicholson in there yeah. dicaprio Wal- <laughs> Mark Wahlberg well, is Winston. quite you know this is ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Martin Sheen. Yeah, Wait, yeah, Ray Winston. Yeah, Ray Winston's in there as Frenchie. Yeah, Wahlberg <laughs> is great in it, just abusing everybody, just showering them with the most profane abuse, almost like he racially abuses uh, ethnic minorities. Vietnamese people, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh god, yeah, that was yeah. Was, didn't he like beat up some Vietnamese person yeah, like when like he before that, he? Yeah. But this was this yeah. Jesus yeah, Christ! And then he asked like for a pardon because it was affecting his business career. <laughs> 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 Absolute tosser. <laughs> but he is good in this film. And Ray Winston, like his accent is like his accent like drowned halfway across the Atlantic. Like I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not idea what it's supposed to be. It's like I. I'll fucking give it to you, you mate. you within an inch of your life. It's like one word is deep company. The next word sort of approximates Boston. It took yeah. me... I'm not even sure if I even clocked he was doing an accent on my first watch of the film. <laughs> Sounds about right, yeah. And, um, but basically, the premise for The Departed is that you've got DiCaprio as a police mole inside the mob the Irish mob in this case and you've got Matt Damon as a mob mole inside the police so there you go nice yeah it's it's, it's well worth checking out and and this is a film like Scorsese's movies they're often accused of being a bit kind of macho and male dominated in this film you know he puts all that to rest by having DiCaprio and Matt Damon share as a love interest the one significant female character (laughs) yeah uh, Though to be fair, that's also how the original film goes. Yeah, it's not. Like I'm sure that. Ch- that choice the, there. I'm sure the love triangle is a major plot point. I don't know. It um, is. <laughs> she connects the two sides, doesn't she? And yeah, 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 yeah. So, do we have any further observations on The Departed before we move on? Wasn't it the one that finally? I know we don't usually because I don't. Let me just put a disclaimer out there, folks. <laughs> When it comes to Oscar season, we don't give a fucking shit. Yeah. But Scorsese, this was the film that got him his Best Director Award. I think he should have got it for numerous films before. Oh, yeah. but It's one of those films uh, that he deserved it and he got it one time. Yeah, they yeah. were like, ah, oh, well, it's it's good, we should give it to him. There you yeah, go. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. Like, like, as we say... Definitely a solid film, but far from his best. Yeah, it is a terrifically entertaining <laughs> film, and I think they just kind of felt, all right, it's his turn. Kind of like Hillary Clinton entering yes. White House. It's her turn. That, that worked out really <laughs> well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, to be fair, I don't think Scorsese getting the Oscar condemned <laughs> fascism. <laughs> yeah. But then he followed up The Departed with Shutter Island, which is a neo-noir psychological thriller. So says Wikipedia, based on Dennis Lehane's novel from 2003. Um, 
What do you guys make of this? It's a somewhat competent it's thriller. It's nothing too... I enjoyed it. It was fun, yeah, but it's... I don't know. I, I... Didn't it's competent. It's it's very it's competent. competent. It's it's nothing. No, yeah. It's um. Yeah. It's got a somewhat. Yeah. I feel like the story just left me wanting something more. Yeah. I mean, I think it's solid. Like it hooked me in. I watched it before I was super into movies, and I definitely found it engaging enough. But I kind of, and I remember liking the look of it when it was being trailed as if oh there's going to be some great mystery here but no i don't i don't really rate shutter island to be honest i think it's one of his most kind of obvious straight yeah. genre films and it's not my favorite of his to be honest you know typically solid performance from dicaprio ben kingsley is a massive nazi um <laughs> not but not much else it's not an essential scorsese film to check out if, if you get into his filmography you have to check it all out it's probably one of the last you'll have to see <laughs> yeah. not bad but it, it's nothing like you don't have to run out to see it yeah then he followed that up a year later with hugo his 3D film for children, which actually yeah. I haven't seen, although I believe it reunited him with Ray Winston. I like that Ray Winston is a, a serial Scorsese collaborator. And in fact, Ben Kingsley appeared in this again. So he definitely likes to kind of work again and again with trusted actors, doesn't he? Or yeah. Not? It sort of works well into his love of film as well, because isn't it where I believe aspects of it kind yes. of pay tribute to George Malays and yeah. particularly his film A Trip to the Moon and stuff. So it works into kind of his own because of course you got to see Scorsese as a sort of film historian in his own right he's a massive film buff mm -hmm. as we'll probably mention when we go on to his documentary films on the history of American cinema but yeah, yeah. like it's sort of got that aspect of it that you can see why he'd be drawn to the project and I think it was also his first uh, film he shot on digital was it or was that the was that the Wolf of Wall Street um, was it because 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 I don't know. Was it animated? It was in 3D. Yeah, I don't think um, it is I think it might be like partially. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a significant use of CGI is I've in there. I'm, I'm sure of it. Things and I have meant to check it out, but just yeah around to it and then he followed that with the the wolf of wall street which yeah. he uh, followed a year later with a documentary called the 50 year argument which um is a fairly interesting documentary about the new york review of books the american publication which i think was screened on hbo and it it's interesting enough it's a little bit lightweight but it does kind of give you a breezy enough sort of guide to how the New York Review of Books has been a kind of hub of the American intelligentsia for, for many years. So it's got some cool footage in there of old American intellectuals like Gore Vidal and stuff debating in there. But it is nothing remarkable, but passable. Definitely a, a decent watch. He actually co-directed that with Fair. David Tedeschi. All right. And that brings us to his most recent theatrical release. Which, of the film. Tom, you've seen, haven't Silent. you? Yes, I saw Silent. I, I briefly mentioned it the other week, yeah. And it's kind of based on a novel by, and I'm probably going to pronounce this completely <laughs> wrong, Shusako Endo, set in Nagasaki, Japan, 
about the persecution of Jesuit priests during the 17th century. And it was, again, like the last temptation of Christ. It was one of his passion projects that took him over 25 years to get made, I believe. And also deems with similar themes like the passion, uh, like, sorry, not, did I say the passion of the Christ? That's a very different thing. <laughs> I, I did say the last temptation of Christ, right, didn't I? I yeah, yeah. It, it's, got, sure it's got, it's uh, got, well, God, yeah, that's... Potato, potato. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, silence de- deals with very similar themes to the Last Temptation of Christ in terms of faith, and there's also kind of elements of him paying homage to Kira Kuros- Kurosawa in his shot composition yeah. and stuff. It doesn't have Leo in. It stars Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver, who are the two Jesuit priests who go to Japan to try and to look for their mentor, who's played by Liam Neeson. Okay. Um, who? <laughs> so it's yeah. Liam Neeson having to find somebody. <laughs> yeah, he he he's been taken for once. Yeah. Probably <laughs> not kill him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a, I believe it's under three, about two and a half hours long. So, so short. yeah, a short one for Scorsese, absolutely. And it's, um, it is difficult viewing. There's a lot of Japanese Christians being tortured and uh it's not uh not pleasant it's not it's not entertaining viewing by any means but it's certainly engaging filmmaking from scorsese and it's again it is great to see as you said earlier on it's such a shame that scorsese has to like battle for years to get these projects out and stuff because He's probably got a few more like this, which are just kind of in his archives that he wants to get made. The studios just aren't giving him yeah, the leeway. Reckon- but please, please go support Silence because I want more Martin Scorsese passion projects. I do want to see it. I think maybe if Scorsese had got his way and the funding had gone the way he'd like, he would have made a lot more films dealing with Christian themes than he has movies about organised crime. Yeah. However... His next film he's slated to make <laughs> is a gangster oh, the... film uh, called The Irishman, um, ah. where he says they're going to be able to age Robert De Niro down so well that he'll look like he does in The Godfather. <laughs> Which, like you say, considering what? De Niro okay. has just, like, his whole looks have changed so fundamentally <laughs> he's fuck off. <laughs> like, he's basically going to be... And this is... Uh, recent Star Wars film. It's going to be like that. Oh god, that was that was that, 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 that was terrible. It's really like I'm sorry, but like uh, for some reason his eyes he's got he's got like a cross eye. Like they they haven't quite got <laughs> the technology right in getting the, the eyes right and how they look at the other real actors on screen and stuff. Oh, but yeah, that was terrible. Like honestly, really. Like, and I heard that that they're considering about possibly doing the same for Carrie Fisher oh, in the next oh. Star Wars film. Please don't. Yeah, it's. It, it just but um, yeah, exactly like but yeah the the irishman scorsese's film that he's apparently in the process of making will have his first on-screen <laughs> sorry mate, it go keeps ahead. getting pushed back so like he's been saying he's going to make this film for ages and it's like him and all the principal cast members are just getting older and older and it's like <laughs> for fuck's sake make it already fucking make it yeah, yeah. I think it'll be his last um, kind of it'll be the last kind of project where it features that kind of core group of De Niro Pesci and it will feature his first potentially his first collaboration with Al Pacino as well yeah exactly that's an interesting thing to note but although I think they're friendly Scorsese and Pacino have not actually worked together before except for I 
think uh, I might be wrong, but in I'm just looking for the name of this now. But in an in an advert that he directed last year called The Audition. Um, yeah, I am completely wrong, actually. <laughs> so, so they've never they've never worked together, and so it should bring them together. Plus De Niro, Keitel, yeah. and apparently Joe Pesci. But Joe Pesci has been oh. saying that he doesn't want to do it. That he's he's retired. Yeah. And he's going to stay retired. Also, Scorsese is slated to direct and produce a film called The Devil in the White City. But I can't tell you anything about that because I didn't do my research. Yay. I just see it as like a yeah, it's like a working title. Uh, I, yeah, but yeah, again, sorry. I, I you know, guess what? We could have done our research on the show, but because we're lazy hacks, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> we we bypass that. <laughs> but no, it's great to see Scorsese now. He's coming up to his mid seventies, but it's great to see that he's still keeping active and keeping generations of film goers going back to see his films with actual engaging cinema. That yeah. he's like the last vanguard against this kind of where Hollywood is just in sort of its death throes at this point in many ways he's kind of you know the last of the old guard you know pumping out intelligent american cinema yeah i mean he's not the only one but he's like still the old yeah exactly exactly he's moved in a more kind of mainstream direction over the last few years since he began collaborating with dicaprio he has increasingly used dicaprio as a means to secure big studio money mm. and to make we're on to you scorsese you fuck however he has managed to keep those films mostly interesting and very uncharacteristic i'd say something like shutter island is kind of the most by numbers film he's mm. In his kind of yeah. major studio yeah. films, at least as far as I've seen, yeah, and I don't see any reason. Yeah. yeah, I think we should talk briefly about all the various cameos he's done. Yeah, yeah, we can do. Yeah, because um, um, I, I mentioned at the beginning that, and you mentioned talking about silence, Kurosawa, and of course he did show up in one of Kurosawa's final films. 1990? Yes. Dreams. Have you seen that, Tom? I really want to see Dreams, but it, yeah, Scorsese is in it as Van Gogh, isn't he? Yeah. And it's also basically his, it's Kurosawa's passion project, where essentially kind of just, it was yeah. it's sort of like a collection of his own dreams that he's put onto film, essentially. Yeah, it's a series um, of Which is yeah, really intriguing. Uh, it's absolutely masterfully shot. I think there's stiff competition, but I, I gotta say it's one of the most, one of Kurosawa's most visually appealing films. It, like, just you could gobble up every shot. It's it's amazing. The yeah. stories, they vary a bit in terms of quality, though it has been a while since I've watched, so I won't be too judgmental, but I do remember there were some of the vignettes that were very powerful and interesting, and then there were others where I was just kind of bored. Yeah. All in all, a good uh, film. What would be my favourite vignette had to do with there was a battalion of soldiers, Japanese soldiers, it takes place in, like during World War Two, and they like march into a tunnel and disappear and it's kind of got this metaphor about what happened to Japan during the war and losing their identity and stuff and getting lost as it were but like I say it's been some time since I've watched it but it, it was quite it, I felt it was quite powerful and what's so poignant about Dreams as well that needs to be pointed out is that it was 
actually made with assistance from people like Martin Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, all those kind of those different types of filmmakers that came out of the new Hollywood Mm. grouping that kind of were the spearheads to actually get his works introduced over into America and kind of seen more. And it's quite poignant that they were able to help him in one of his final projects as well that he wanted to bring to the screen. So it's a nice collaboration there in some ways between those young new Hollywood filmmakers who were able to finally work with their hero who influenced many of their own works. Mm. He also in 1990 cameoed in a very good film by Stephen Frears called The Grifters, which is a crime drama with John Cusack and Angelica Houston and Annette Bening. And Scorsese contributes the opening voiceover, and he also produced the film because he was kind of pushing Stephen Frears as a sort of big new director at the time. So I'd recommend that. And Scorsese shows up in a film about the McCarthyist Hollywood blacklist in one called Guilty by Suspicion, which stars De Niro and is written and directed by Irvin Winkler, who has produced a lot of Scorsese's films. And basically, Scorsese plays a communist film film director in that who um, (laughs) De Niro uh, like meets up with him in the editing suite and he asks him what he's doing he's like oh I'm leaving the country and um, De Niro's just like why you know tell him you're not a communist and Martin Scorsese's just like I am a communist. Always have. <laughs> it's just, it's a good little cameo. And he's in The Player, the Robert Altman film. Is oh, himself. yes. Yeah, yeah, good film. He's in Robert Redford's very good film, Quiz Show, about uh, quiz show fraud in, I think, the 1950s or something. And he was very funny in a couple of episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, when um, Larry David stars in his new latest crime yeah. film, isn't it? And he's just kind of shooting scenes with him on top of the rooftop and he's just and, and he's just kind of going overboard and trying to throw this guy off and, and Martin, Marty's just like no 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 you gotta refrain you gotta refrain you gotta have a bit more bit more control bit more uh it's just, yeah it's great great you know it's, and that's what I love about Marty's kind of always keen to kind of just appear on screen and, and poke fun at himself as well you know he's cool I love, you know we love him I also want to do briefly mention his documentary that he did personal journey with Martin Scorsese through American oh, movies yeah. again do check that out because it shows how much he is kind of a film historian as well and his dedication to because if you watch a lot of his films like for example if you take the last temptation of christ for example you can see how he's really kind of influenced by films like the passion of joan of arc with the particular shots he does focusing on people's faces and yeah. emotions they exude and stuff and what's so great about that is he applies it into his knowledge of american film history in this documentary that was produced by the british film institute and he just goes through various different American classic yeah. film genres like the musical, the western, and just, you know, kind of deconstructs various classics of the genres. It's, it's worth checking out. It's pretty cheap to get online. Yeah. And you just want, if you just want to hear him ramble away about kind of his love of film, it's just like, yeah, perfect does, for any cinephile, really. He does have an encyclopedic knowledge of film. And actually, oh, yes. I think there's a Scorsese season at the BFI in London that's happening at the moment. So if people want to go along to the BFI you can see both some of Scorsese's favourite films by other directors and some of his you know the films that he's made so yeah I'd really recommend that because it's a great institution yeah because London's got everything huh? well, we're yeah, not all yeah, lucky yeah, enough got... to live near London <laughs> <laughs> sorry I'm sorry 
podcast is part of the fucking London, <laughs> London bubble. Yeah, but we're we're the the metropolitan elite, apart from Yaya, who lives in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be getting even less metropolitan elite soon. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, it's still got metropolitan elites in America. Not in Savannah. Definitely not, <laughs> definitely not in the middle of Montana. You're saying there's not a Montana metropolitan elite? <laughs> Maybe. I don't. What's the capital of Montana? I don't even know, but we're going to be out in the middle of the Hannah. Week, so. <laughs> Hannah, Montana. <laughs> For a second, I was like, is it? Really? Oh, okay. I see what you did. I see what you did. <laughs> So there's a couple of Scorsese shorts that we haven't mentioned that may be worth saying something about. So there's one he did in 1967 as a film student called The Big Shave, which is where some guy like starts shaving and then basically just like starts cutting like chunks out of his face. Basically, he's bleeding everywhere. And it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for the Vietnam War. And also, he directed Michael Jackson's Bad Video. Oh. <laughs> yes, he, yes, he did, yeah. I, I was wondering whether we'd bring that up. The video is so bad. I, 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 to be honest, I can't remember what happens in it, so I... I, I, I... It's, it's, like in, it's set in, like, a sort of, like, a car park, I think, sort of. All I remember is, like, concrete and kind of just involves a lot of Michael Jackson dancing, mm. as, as all his music videos do. So it is. It's, it's well, pretty well shot. Have you have you seen have you seen it? I might have done. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. It, it ain't bad. I'm just seeing if there's any good films that Scorsese has produced other than The Grifters. Clockers by Spike Lee, a very kind of Scorsese crime drama by Lee, which is actually very good. I'd say I'd recommend it. Based on the novel by Richard Price. Oh, and he was executive producer of Life Itself, the documentary yes, about the, the yeah. great film critic Roger Ebert, who is sadly yeah, missed. Yeah, understandable as well because like Roger Ebert was there during Scorsese's early days trying to get in with like, and we mean literally from the very beginning. He was there prepping up kind of Scorsese's like early work, like Boxcar, uh, Boxcar Bertha, really helping him in those early yeah. days. So yeah, it's kind of it's nice and poignant that he was there to return the favor to ebert and produce his documentary and it is very good life itself it's, it does bring a tear to one's eye as well who would have <laughs> yeah. thought a documentary about a film critic could bring you to tears <laughs> I know, right? but it is yeah because yeah <laughs> yeah it is a great film seeing ebert how he continued writing prolifically to the very end and the extraordinary resilience of his wife as well throughout his illness uh yes. chas ebert yeah, oh, definitely yes. Yeah, like, uh, like what, what a woman, like, and and what a what a great critic and a great guy. Um, Absolutely. So, um, yeah, we, I think we've <laughs> spent about three hours. Three hours. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 touching it. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, I think the final thing we need to really discuss is I th- I don't think it's going to be very difficult, but is the work of Martin Scorsese dialectically pleasing? <laughs> And or should I or should I put it in in the sense that is he a cop or a comrade? I would not describe the man as a cop, but the man behind oh, such films no. as Goodfellas. I mean, then again, how yeah. how does he know so much about these people? Hey, hey, hey. 
Um, I think his films are dialectically pleasing, although as suggested with my critique of The Wolf of Wall Street, Street. I... I yeah I could I, yeah I could, I think some of his films could do with a more rigorous Marxist critique of political economy if I'm honest perhaps but I definitely yeah, don't it would think be quite nice yeah re-education does he oh no I I don't think so a lot of films could do yeah. with a more firm grasp of a Marxist critique of political economy yeah basically every film really um, pretty but... much every film <laughs> even the uh, openly communist ones even, <laughs> I, even the boy Einstein <laughs> really. <laughs> Politically, what would you put? It's inevitable, isn't it? Really, I think we're gonna. It will be happening eventually. I'd like to talk about October, ten days that should. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think we should. We should schedule that one exactly for the the hundredth, the the exact hundredth anniversary of the Russian Revolution, which is coming up this year. And it's funny. It's yeah. So yeah, that's literally perfect timing. Also, I just wanted to quickly ask and put to you guys. So you know he's he's definitely not a Republican. Would you put him, would you put Marty Moore as a sort of like like a sort of he's he, when a it comes to elections he'd vote he'd vote yeah he'd vote he'd vote he'd Democrat probably, I'd yeah, say he's a hundred percent a liberal Democrat like uh, not yeah. as in yeah. Tim Farron and, yeah. <laughs> and all that shit. Yeah. no no as, as in as in he is a liberal and a member of the Democratic Party as far as I know or at the very least a voter for the Democratic Party. Do you remember when De Niro said he was going to punch Trump in his fucking face? <laughs> Oh and yeah, he, he came out and made it when Trump became president. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming for you, Bobby. Be careful, man. What I loved actually that De Niro was like stomping around, telling anyone who'd listen. He's a schmuck. He's a bum. What, yeah, what a... I want to suck him in his yeah, face. He was, he was like, literally like doing videos. Like... He was like stomping around, telling anyone who'd listen what a reactionary right-wing piece of shit Trump was at a fundraiser for the IDF. <laughs> Yeah, for progressive good. I love um, when, when, like, I think Vice have done it. I've seen similar articles in Haaretz. They've done these stories like the the girls of the IDF, like the the woke (laughs) women who are who are putting, you know. I don't know, you know, you're putting a feminist touch into, into... <laughs> yeah. Well, no. of course, in, in Israel, they draft everybody, don't they? Male, female, they don't give a shit. They do. Aren't you a draft dodger? Uh, uh, like, well, not technically. I, I shouldn't have been drafted. I never... I never filled out the paperwork that would have exempt me, so... Yeah, maybe te- I, technically I am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't go back to no, Israel. No, no, no. Yeah, actually, technically, I, I. I can't go back to Israel until I sort out my paperwork. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we recommend to everyone to check out all the films of Martin Scorsese and all his documentary films. We still need to see the odd few of his, but we've seen the majority. But for the listeners, you may have not seen a Martin Scorsese film, though I. I highly doubt that which one film if you had to choose one would you recommend them to see doesn't have to be your favorite but which one do you you really want to be Hmm. you really want people to see a scorsese for me it's going to be the king of comedy it needs to be seen by more people that's a good question Uh, because yeah Uh, but yeah for me folks please go check out the king of comedy that's the one you know you should be seeing all his films they are very dialectically pleasing (laughs) 
<laughs> but but yeah, I'll put the King of Comedy is probably the one to go and check out, folks. Uh, gonna... It deserves its appreciation. Yes, yeah, yeah, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to have to give a shout out to Bringing Out the Dead. We didn't actually talk about it that yes. much tonight, yeah. but no. it is another underrated Scorsese film. It brings together a lot of the feel and the themes of his other works yeah. and... It's got Nick Cage just being yes. absolutely Nick Cage. Yeah. Collaborated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah you said it was like a really good criticism of capitalism, particularly in healthcare yes. services. That's really important to bring up because literally, I think from what I remember when I watched that film, any scene where it's set in a hospital, it's always being depicted as being like chaos, literally overrun. Yes, you know, staff struggling. Absolutely. It's it's like you know it's it's a, you know it's depicted as a nightmare. It does not you know. portray the American healthcare system in a very positive light let's just say absolutely <laughs> uh jack um, i would pick as my scorsese choice the last temptation of christ the yeah, possibly nice. the, the best piece of uh, christianity themed visual entertainment until the young pope came along oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> <Last> year, <laughs> always there with those young pope recommendations right, nice yeah. <laughs> of course um <laughs> the absolute boy yeah i think as i said before the last temptation of christ is a brilliant film and an elegiac masterpiece and a profound meditation on faith and more specifically on christian faith and i would recommend it to you anybody religious who wants a, a kind of a different take on yeah, yeah on definitely. their religion and also to any atheists who might find themselves more sympathetic with some of christ's ideas in yeah i mean i i'm I'm, I'm personally uh, i'm not religious myself but i uh, think it's a fascinating and very beautiful film absolutely i think we're i think we're all atheists well i don't know about you but we're we're atheists who kind of went through that kind of period of i'm open and i'm going to admit it who went for that sort of period of kind of being intrigued by christopher hitchens and stuff and like (laughs) but then of course yeah yeah, we've we've all kind of gone through we've that period, but then you realise, you know what? Yeah, we've grown up a little bit, you know. And uh, yeah, absolutely. As an atheist, please do watch the Last Temptation I mean, of Christ. It's one of the best, most mature depictions of Christ on film. I think if, and if, yeah, it's just great seeing him. Yeah. I guess you know, if you're condemning things for having religious themes and religious sentiments, uh, you just got to sort of think. Exactly. Um, do you want in the world? Martin Scorsese making films like The Last Temptation of Christ and Mean Streets and exactly. Silence, or do you want yeah. Sam Harris writing another Islamophobic <laughs> polemic that's boring, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's boring as fucking anything, and the far yeah, right yeah. are going to appropriate? We're siding with Marty here. <laughs> I, I, I will go for the beautiful art rather than the cold polemic that sees no sort of beauty in the world no mystery just Mm. this kind of i fucking love science kind of like (laughs) everything uh can be explained by some smug asshole kind of uh, mentality i uh although i think that stuff might be more more factually accurate i'm with herzog in this case i prefer the ecstatic truth to uh, harsh prosaic anti-theism definitely, <laughs> definitely when it comes to absolutely yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Ex- ex- exactly i would rather whatever your personal beliefs are on how much good or evil religion does you know you can appreciate the last temptation of christ yeah i i mean i still at, yeah. as a marxist i still feel 
critical of religion, I still don't feel fond of it or of any of the particular... The opiate of the masses and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah but at the same time, <laughs> that whole opiate of the masses quote, that was... It uh, is decontextualized. Yeah, that it? was extremely indicative of Marx's contextualization of religion in its material circumstances. So yeah, the Marx, hierarchy and Yeah, stuff. Marx said it is um, the heart of a heartless world. It, it is the soul of soulless conditions what he was talking about was he was understanding why in the material surroundings that he was he was seeing as he examined the newly industrialized capitalist world he saw people's need he saw the requirement for religion and the material purpose that it served Mm. and Rather than condemning it outright, he sort of envisioned a society in which it would no longer be necessary. Much like capitalism, he believed that we would evolve out of it, sort of, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, But it wasn't necessary. And what a way to end Um, with our boy Marx. There's obviously comrades out there of all faiths. It's definitely not just a secular thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, let's put that out there. If if our our sort of criticisms of the anti-theists and our um, talk about Marx's analysis of religion didn't put your mind at rest yeah we we uh, <laughs> we we welcome we welcome comrades from all religions uh, including uh, those who like scorsese subscribe to <laughs> the one true faith <laughs> <laughs> so there we have it martin scorsese is a comrade he is. and we Aye. implore you to please go and check out his extensive filmography because you will not regret it because uh, marty kundun I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that <laughs> Russia. Cut. It's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing.